Um, it's going to be on the screen behind me, or you can turn to Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the side of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved, up, from there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tara. Uh, good morning, church. Uh, we are going to be in Genesis chapter 12, but before we do that, uh, if you just take a look in your bulletin, you would actually see that it's divided up into these categories, go, gather, grow. And the reason why we have those is because we believe that that's what the Bible actually teaches, that God has called his people to go and to gather and to grow. And so we believe that therefore, as a church, we're gonna be involved in these kinds of activities as we are being responsive to who God is and what God is already doing. And so when we talk about grow, we talk about understanding who God is and being obedient to him. And we study the Bible and we engage God with our minds and with all of us. And we are conformed in our, the way that we live into the image of Jesus. And then we recognize that there is a gathering component, that God lives in community and that we should then live in community, that we are called to love one another and admonish one another and encourage one another, speak truth to one another. And so we need to not just be about ourselves, but we need to be about one another in this wonderful community of faith that people join and then we commit to help through life. And then there's go. Go helps us recognize that um, the work of God and the work of God in us is never meant to end with us. It's not intended for God's purposes to just oh, thank you so much that I have this, but it actually is meant to be other-directed. Um, ultimately towards God and for his glory, but in the end, uh, we need to be very aware that our salvation is not just about us. It's not just for us. It actually is for him. And as we partake in God's redemptive and restorative work, then we are actually involved and engaged with others in this process. So the go says there is an outward directedness that comes naturally in terms of our faith. We just have to be careful that we don't just consider the going and the gathering and the growing, but right now the series is focused on the going as just a list of options for things for us to do. Because that's not what mission is. Mission is not just a list of things that, yeah, I really should do that. 
about 15, or when my wife and I had been married about 15 years, so we've been married a little over 30, so 17 years or so ago, when we first moved to Stillwater, we decided to go on vacation, and so we went with some close friends, and we went on a cruise. And one of those cruising stopping points was, I can't remember if it was like Cozumel or Calica or Cancun. It was just one of those places and we got to spend a day and we had a great time. We rented Jeeps and we just had such a wonderful, wonderful time. It was my first time to Mexico. And I just remember thinking, I like Mexico. Mexico's great. Have you been to Cancun? It's great. I love Mexico. We should come back to Mexico. Mexico's a great place to go to for a vacation. Who doesn't want a vacation at Cancun in Mexico? It's a wonderful place. And I began to think about that and think about that and think about that. And I thought, you know, one day I'll actually meet people in heaven from Mexico. And I'll have something to talk about. Hey, I've been to your country, right? I'm from Canada. I lived in the States for a while. But did you live in Cancun? Like, is that what Mexico is like? Is that what all of Mexico is like? And... I began to think about it, and I'm smart enough to know that I don't think that's what all of Mexico is like. And I began to think, huh, I need to do more than just vacation in Mexico. Or else it's going to be one of those real awkward moments in heaven. So what part of Cancun are you from? (laughs) I'm not from Cancun. Oh, really? Man, I love Mexico. I love Mexico, and I describe it, and they're like, yeah, that's not, that's not my house. That's not my life. Oh, man, sorry. <laughs> I began to realize that for, for some Christians, and this, this goes beyond just this one aspect, but I want you to see, like, the world is this wonderful, beautiful place for you to enjoy, for you to vacation, Right? That's how a lot of the world looks at the world. Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? Because there's so many beautiful places in the world. Have you heard people talk like this? In church? I have. Man, I just, there are some places I want to go, some beautiful places that I really want to see. And, and by the way, can I tell you, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That what the Bible actually teaches is that God made the world and God made the world beautiful and God made the world for our enjoyment. So I I don't feel bad about going to Mexico and to going to Cancun. I just realized like that's not the only place that I should go, but it's not the only way that I should go. It's not the only way that I should go because there's more that is happening in the world. There are more needs than that in the world. And, and, and there are a lot of you that go, that's right. You know, we really, we really need to be thinking about those that are marginalized, those that are poor, those that have needs that are so much more than ourselves. And I'm saying, I'm with you, and we really should. And it's also more than that. What Go says is that there's an other directedness in our faith, in our obedience to God, even what we do in community. And what this series is designed to do is to recognize that we have actually a missional God who's already involved in that, who's already engaged in that. So God wasn't in heaven saying, I really hope that Jim gets to Mexico because I'd like to do some work there someday. No, he was already doing a work there. He was already deeply involved there. And he invited me to be a part of that. I just, by the way, I don't know if you know this, I just got back from Mexico last night. Not Cancun, but a city called Piedras Negras. And we help build homes. 
And I got to work with a whole new group of people that are coming out of Haiti because of how unbelievably difficult it is to just live, to survive in Haiti right now. So they're trying to get somewhere. I met a group of people from Honduras that are really, really struggling. And so one of our ministry partners has created a place. And you wanna know why? Because God put it in their hearts to do so. These aren't just well-intended people. This series is designed to help us see that that us being a people on mission, us being engaged in mission, is not us choosing. It's not us looking in the world and thinking there are some problems. We didn't build homes because, yeah, some people in our town could use some homes. Listen, those things are true, but it is not the foundational reason why. The reason why is because God is already on mission. And that is why we don't begin in Genesis chapter 28, because that, or in Matthew chapter 28, because that's not where God began. God actually begins, I would even say, even before Genesis 12, God begins in Genesis 1. He creates a world, a beautiful world that we are to enjoy. And he says to Adam and Eve, I want you to, to enjoy this world. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to be my representatives in the world. I, I want the world, as it begins to grow and it begins to multiply, to know who I am. And to respond which, with what I deserve in terms of my glory. And, and I want them to, to love the world that they're in. I want them to love one another. Everyone who is made in my image. And Adam and Eve, instead of trying to do that, they decided to turn the garden into a vacation spot. Which means they aren't there to serve others. They aren't there to listen to God. They're there to do what they want to do. And so they take things that they weren't supposed to take and they eat them and they engage in a lifestyle that's not about God and it's not about others, it's just about themselves. And at that point you would think God would go, I'm done, but he's not, because he's a missional God. He's a God that does not just give up on people, he just does not give up on his purpose. And so the Lord engages and when they run and hide, the Lord pursues them, where are you? The Lord promises to restore them. And this is what we see in the Bible, what what we're going to see in Genesis 12. But before we get there, we need to recognize that that God made a beautiful world and it rebelled against him. And then God judged it in a flood. You've heard of the flood, right? And he starts over with Noah and his family. And he says to Noah and his family, just like he said to Adam and Eve, and now, go into all the world. Be my representatives. I want you to go into this world so this world might know who I am, how good I am, how great I am, and that others who are made in my image would respond to me and to one another in a way like I designed you to be. And God is actively involved, actively engaged. And this invitation for those who are made in his image to join him in this endeavor There's this amazing story between the flood, Genesis 6 through 9, and Genesis 12, Abram, that Tara read for us. And it's the story of Babel. And it's an important story to kind of recognize how all these things fit together. Because God said, I want you to go, and I want you to to multiply, and I want you to be my representatives in all of the earth. And in the Tower of Babel, if you read the story, it begins by, come, not go, come. Let us not go. Let us not go out into the world. Let us make for ourselves a city. Let us make for ourselves a tower. Some wonder if it's not even kind of like a, some kind of an idol that they're building to to worship 
something other than Yahweh God. Come, let us gather. Let us not be scattered. Let us not go. You kind of read into it. Let us not do what God told us to do. It's a new version of what Adam and Eve did. Come, let us just gather. Come, let us just stay. Let us make a name for ourselves. That's what they say. Let's make a name for ourselves. We can do this. And God comes down and he judges them and he frustrates them because his plan was always that the world might know him, that the world might respond to him, that the world might live the way that God intended them to be. And this is what I love about our great God, is he is so bent on his purpose. He is so committed to what he is doing, and he makes sure that it will happen, and nothing, not Adam and Eve, not those who built the Tower of Babel, not you, can ever stop the wonderful mission of God. And therefore, in this series, we are celebrating this opportunity to be a part of it. If there's one thing we want you to hold on to, and there's, there's one thing that we want you to recognize, that, and we have to be careful with this, because right now it's a very popular thing to be about mission, to be about uh, being a world changer, to be about making a difference in our communities. Like, uh, in my life, in the 54 years that I've been alive, I've never lived during a time where there's not more talk about mission and making a difference and caring for others, both inside and outside of the church. But what Genesis 12 teaches us, what the Bible teaches us consistently, is that the God who commands us to go always goes ahead of us. Always goes ahead of us. So it's not God watching, oh, I'm so glad they built some houses. I think I could probably find some people that could live in them. It's not God. Oh, I'm so glad you guys have collected some food for our daily bread. That's great. I think I can find some hungry people that could go there. And sometimes we think that, that we're finding mission, we're finding needs, we're finding problems, we're involved in the, these activities, and, and, and I hope I'm not just speaking to myself, but I think sometimes that we sometimes hope that God will bless these activities, will bless these things, instead of realizing, no, like God was here, God knows of the need, God is putting it in people's hearts, God is actively engaged in this process. The God of the Bible is not passively sitting back and then just judging our activities. He is inspiring us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is, he is guiding us. He is directing us. He is providing the funds and the needs and the energies and the passions necessary to accomplish all of these things. Let us give thanks to that kind of God. Let us to respond behind what God is already doing. That is why Jesus says to his disciples, not, hey, go where you want and I'll be right behind you cheering you all the way. Go out and find some problems and some needs, and I just want you to know, let me know what you need, and I'll be there to help you figure that out. No, what does he say? Follow me. Follow me. Like, I want you to see what I do. I want you to look at the kind of ministry that I'm involved in. I want you to see the kind of help and the kind of love, the kind of ultimate purpose that I have. I, I want you to watch what I do. And he says that because he is watching his father. Jesus makes this very clear. Everything that I do, I'm watching what my father does. And I'm just responding to my father. Jesus is watching his father, and we are watching Jesus, a missional God, inspiring, equipping, enabling, providing for a missional people. And that's the mission of the church. And, and, and honestly, in so many ways, I'm so excited about what's happening. I'm so excited about the number of times those waters have been just 
uh, moved, <laughs> right? There's been a lot of people coming to Christ. I'm, I'm so excited about new houses that we're building again. I'm so excited about trips that we are taking and conversations that are being had and people that are being fed. There's so many good things, but let us never lose sight of the fact that everything we do is in response to what God has already done. And Genesis 12 is the great picture for this. Let us never be confused about our mission. And let us always see that it is God who is pulling it, pulling us together for his glory. Christopher Wright, who wrote a great book called The Mission of God, puts it this way, and it was so helpful uh, for me to see. It's, it's one of the, this is one of those thoughts that when I read it, I thought, like, I knew that, but somehow I, I, I didn't know that, and I'm really grateful for how he wrote it because it helps me see something that I hadn't really seen. That's what I love about brilliant statements is they help us connect dots that we didn't really notice. And, and so I, wanna, I really want to encourage you with these words from Christopher Wright. He says this, it is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church, okay, which is I think what a lot of us think. God has a people, and so just like your parents have extra activities for you to do on Saturday, I got something for you to do. Hey, I know you're busy. I know you're five years old and you think you have a really busy schedule, but I got some extra things that you, would you mind helping me around the house? And would you mind cleaning your room? And would you mind doing these things? Would you mind helping me out? And we almost think that that's God with us. We got some things, you know, because we want to keep you busy. You just don't want, I mean, there's things that just have to get done. It is not the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as it is that God has a church for his mission in the world. That means that mission came before church. Mission came before people. Mission came before Abram. Mission came before the mission of God for him to be known for who he is as creator and lover and redeemer and restorer of all that is broken is God, it's who he is. And then as this world lives in rebellion against him, he invites people to enjoy the truth about who he is, and when they do, they don't just become takers and vacationers and enjoyers. Although there's nothing wrong, by the way, with vacationing and enjoying and celebrating. But just tell me that in light of what you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I don't assume that everyone is in this room. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, tell us that we're not just consumers of the good things of God. Tell me that, that you will do more than just vacation in this great big world that God has given you. Tell me that you will enjoy more than just this when it comes to Stillwater. Tell me there's more than, than just did we win yesterday. Tell me there's more in our neighborhoods and in our communities. Tell me there's more. And the answer is there is. And God says, I, I don't just have like a task for you to do. This is who I am. I am a missional God making myself known. And you now know something about me. And I am inviting you and engaging you to engage the world or the world in which you live in. And I want you to do what I'm doing. Jesus watching his father, his disciples watching him working in symphony together. 
This is what this series is about. Notice the number of times in our text that God focuses on himself. So often when we think about Genesis 12, we think about all that Abraham did. And by the way, he did something. He did something. He responded to a God who said in our text, so if you have it in your Bible, you'll be able to see it in the text. God said things like this, I want you to go to the place that I will show you. Like I'm the one that's directing you there. Like all Abraham had to do was to follow God. God was the one that was leading him. God was the one that was directing him. And so often, I mean, honestly, when anybody says that they have a place that you wanna go, hey, do you wanna come with me? Or your question is what? Where are we going? How many of you like it when your friend says, oh, I'll show you. Yeah, I'm not going until you tell me. I'm not going anywhere until you tell me. What are we doing? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my, and and yet we see the God of the Bible is, no, I will will show you. it's, It's why there's so much that could be unpacked in Genesis chapter 12, but it's interesting that Abram leaves a very, very far place and he walks and he walks and as it's described, he literally walks through the entire country and at the last verse in verse nine, he goes all the way to the Negev. It's like, whoa, 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 you're going too far. Red light, green light, red light, stop. Goes all the way down to the Negev, which is like, you're going too far. If you keep reading the story, the next few verses, which we didn't include in our text today, when he gets to the land, there's a famine there. How many people... If God said, I want you to go to a place, and then you got there and there was a famine, you would go, eh, something, we, something was missed. God leads Abraham to this place, and, and what he's leading Abraham to be a part of is not just to find a vacation place, but to learn how to follow him. I will show you the place. He says to him, I will make you into a great nation. It's interesting that his name is father. Abram, or Avram, literally means father. Can you imagine giving the name of your child father? Well, you'd think with a name like that, well, they're probably saying that we hope this guy will have a lot of kids. He's 99, and he's still got zero. And God says to him, I will make you into a great nation. Like, I will make you into a great nation. As individuals or even as a church, it can be about making ourselves into something great. I will be the one who will bless you. God draws attention to himself. It's not that Abraham is awesome or Abraham is amazing. I am going to be the one that is going to bless you. I'm going to be the one that is going to care for you. Care for you. Maybe that's why there's a famine in the land. Maybe that's why there are difficulties in this broken world. God doesn't manufacture the problems. The problems exist. And God is engaged in the problems. And in those problems, we learn to believe, I can't control all of these things, and yet I will trust in my missional God who will bless me. In the story of the Tower of Babel, they desire to make for themselves a great name. But God says to Abram, I will make your name great. It's good to remember that as we are on mission, it's not about us. It's not about us and it's not about what we do. It is about learning who God is. It is about responding to him and trusting him with his mission and with his purpose in our lives and in our world. I will make your name great, and then the, the, the kind of the whole purpose of this that the rest of the Bible picks up on is this last statement. He says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's exciting for a lot of reasons, and probably the most important reason is because that is what God ultimately has in store for the blessing of Abram. 
is that not only is it not just about him, but it really is about the glorification of God by God using this one man for all the nations of the world and for somebody that did not grow up in Israel, that did not grow up with parents from Israel, I'm really grateful that God chose Abram to bless me, to make a difference in my part of the world. And that's what the Bible actually teaches. That's what this missional God, missional people reminds us of, that God is actively engaged. And it's not just about creation care. It's not just about just having better neighborhoods or more homes for people or even more food for people. Those are just natural things that godly people do to demonstrate God's goodness and kindness in the world. But ultimately, everything finds at its very core, at its very root, humanity being reconciled to God. That is what true blessing is. That is what true life begins with. There's lots of people with beautiful homes that are lonely and vulnerable in this world. There's a lot of people with lots of food on the table who are spiritually starving. And so God says, beyond all of the things that that might look like what this world is all about, at the very center of it, at the very core of it, is me. And ultimately, Abraham, I am going to bless all the peoples of the world through you, through a descendant that will come from you. David Bosch says it this way, that mission, and therefore our mission, is not just an activity of the church, it is actually an attribute of God. Mission is an attribute of him because ultimately the greatest expression of God's mission of the world is that he sent his only son as a fulfillment to the promise that all the world would be blessed, as the perfect picture of God's greatest gift, God's greatest sacrifice, God's greatest mission to redeem you and I. And it doesn't end there. Hear me, it doesn't end there. You and I have been invited into this, just like Abram was sent so that he might go and that God would bless him. Why? So that he would be a blessing to others. And we're not just blessings to others by being kind and sweet and helping them with their problems. No, the kind of missional God we are is an all-demanding, an all-extracting from us a reliance, as, 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 we, as we learn about, on the Holy Spirit leading us and empowering us for our mission. All of these things are intended for us to be a missional people following a missional God. And that is why the New Testament writers make it very clear that the kind of celebration we have, the kind of engagement that we have, is because we know who Jesus is. The promise of God to Abram, one of his descendants. Paul says to the Galatian church in chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, Speaking about what you and I have in Jesus as this wonderful blessing, he says this, beginning in verse seven. You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. So in Genesis 12, when God says, I will bless all the people through you and through your descendant, that was about Jesus. And you and I know who Jesus is. I don't know if you've accepted him, but you and I know who Jesus is. And that is why this isn't just a club trying to do community beautification projects. No, we desire for people to be reconciled to God through Jesus. 
And in that way, we share in the blessings of Abraham. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter four. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace, to guarantee to all the descendants, not only to the one who is of the law, meaning a Jew, but also to the one who is of Abraham's faith, He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, the one who gives life to the dead, that's, he's speaking spiritually here, life to the dead and has called things into existence that do not exist. This is the mission of God, that he would breathe life into future generations, future people, that they would know who he is. This is the mission of God, that the truth about him as being worthy of worship and to be responded to him by faith through his wonderful gift through Jesus Christ, this is what you and I have received. This is why we are engaged completely in the mission of God, and this is why This series is designed not just to make us think reflectively about, yeah, there's a lot to be grateful for. I know that when sometimes people go on mission trips, I've heard parents say this, well, I'm sending Jim to go on a mission trip so that he'll be more grateful for all the stuff he has at home. That's not the purpose of a mission trip. The the purpose of a mission trip is because we know and believe that God cares about and is already actively involved and And we are just following him to where he already is. And we are engaged to tell this whole story about who Jesus Christ is. And we are completely involved in helping people experience what God has offered to them beginning through Jesus Christ so that they might have life and have it to the full and abundantly. I pray that your heart and your mind and your life is completely open in this series to hear about God's mission And to see him as actively engaged and ahead of you every moment of your day, every day of the week, every week of the month, and every month of the year. That you see God's invitation to you and you engage in it because you know that not only does he love you, but he will redeem the rest of the world through Jesus Christ, through our witness and our proclamation. And that way we join Abraham, our father. We are about to engage around the table. We are about to commune. We are about to think about and to reflect on what the scriptures teach, what Galatians 3, what uh, Romans 4, and what Genesis 12 promises. And I pray that as we reflect on this missional God, that you experience his love and you experience his kindness. And that you don't only experience it in a consuming way, but also in a responsive way to help prepare our hearts and our minds. um, We just wanna sing this song over you. We encourage you that as you think of these words and as you hold the bread and the cup in your hand, that you would know that the great mission of God is to demonstrate his love, to demonstrate his forgiveness to you in Jesus.